Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. You know, I often ask people around the league I knew, I said, what's he like? What's he like? And I've asked guys who played for you over the years. And certainly you come as advertised. Mike Keenan's a prick. Yep. Mike's a prick. <laughs> yep. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious and I don't care. <laughs> Mike, welcome to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Awesome to have you as a guest, uh, especially because we got a guy who used to play for you. Like, I wanted to play for you, and that never happened. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about that, actually, um, in a little bit. But uh, welcome to the show. And um, listen, one thing I always wanted to know. Iron Mike, Iron Mike, the nickname Iron Mike, where does it come from? And, and, and how'd you get tagged with that? Well, thank you for having me on the show. First of all, great to be with you. And, and uh, the genesis of that came from Chicago. When Iron uh, Mike Ditka was coaching the Bears, I was in Chicago and they obviously assumed I was quite uh, strict as well. And uh, the media picked up on it and said, we have two Iron Mikes in town, Ditka and Keenan. So that's how that surfaced. And uh, then it continued from there. But it was because of Mike Ditka's stern approach to football and Mike Keenan's stern approach to hockey or discipline, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's how the name came about. And it stuck after I uh, left Chicago for the rest of my career. Did you ever get to meet him, Mike Ditka? Uh, I did. Yes. I, I was really uh, in a good situation as, as the coach of the Blackhawks. Uh, our team evolved and we had a, we had a hard nosed team as well, as you know, with Chelios and, and Balfour and the, in the gang and all the, the fighters we had, Stu Grimson and so on. And um, the bears were doing well. Uh, the Bulls with Michael Jordan were, winning championships. We were going to the finals, the bears doing well. So the, the, the city was, was, a, was electric. It was on fire with all the championship runs and, and, uh, Phil Jackson was the, was the coach of the, he and I actually did some commercials together at Ditka. So yeah, the answer is, uh, I met some great legend coaches in that, in that city. Well, obviously, uh, I and Mike, the coach, is one thing, but Knuckles wants to know, <laughs> I and Mike, the player. Now, we go back to St. Lawrence University, played there three years, University of Toronto, um, and you, you left St. Lawrence, ECAC. You put up some decent numbers there, no question about it, right? Point of game anyway in the, your final season, and then uh, you ripped it up at University of Toronto. Now, after leaving college, the Roanoke Valley Rebels, was that an East Coast Hockey League team or? At the time. Or, or e Eastern League. Was it the old Eastern no, League? No. Um, at the time, I was drafted by the Vancouver Blazers in the WHA. And that was their farm team. And all the farm teams primarily for the WHA teams were in that part of the country 
Macon, Georgia, Greensboro, Charlotte, uh, Roanoke, you mentioned. And so it was a young, youthful league, but it was aggressive, really aggressive in terms of uh, fisticuffs and brawls and, and what have you. So there was that element to the league. Yet the, the team I played on, there were a lot of young guys that went on to play in the NHL eventually, and some started in the WHA and flipped over. So, yeah, it was pretty competitive, but it was an interesting experience for sure. What kind of player were you? I see like you had like 61 <laughs> points this one season. I thought that was like a misprint. But it, what, were yeah. you? <laughs> I was over a point a game, and I actually I played forward in defense as a player, whatever, whatever – the need was at the time in terms of the lineup and injuries, but uh, uh, yeah, we won a championship uh, that particular year. And if, and if you look at the PIMS, you'd be, you'd be impressed. I think it was close to a hundred. I saw yeah. them. So. Yeah. 94 <laughs> yeah. PIMS and you even managed 14 in the playoffs. That's you have one penalty minute a game because you play 14 games in the playoffs. Now the Whippy McDonald's and then the Whippy Warriors, was that, a senior senior A for the Allen Cup. So when I, okay. I came back from Roanoke and uh, <clears throat> I was recruited to be the playing coach. I was a high school teacher at this time. And they asked me to come and, and uh, you know, you'd be interested because I did have some famous NHL players on the team. Eddie Shack played. Carl Brewer played. Play the track. Uh, a number of uh, fellows that played in the NHL. Uh, or the WHA came and played senior A hockey at that time for the Allen Cup. And we can go back uh, to even Harry Sinden in 1958, the Whippy Dunlops beat the Soviet Union in Oslo for the gold medal. And I was the stick boy for that team out of Whippy at the time. So I was familiar with senior A hockey. So I played that for a while. And then uh, I got a call to try out for the Olympic team for Canada, uh, the famous year when USA won the 1980 Olympics against the Soviet yeah. Union. But I also got a call from the Peterborough Peets. So I was coaching senior hockey. Then I was I broke my shoulder. So then I started coaching junior hockey in Oshawa and uh, teaching high school and coaching high school, various sports. Uh, and then from there, I got a call as I was in the Olympic program for uh, Peterborough Pete. So I said, well, the Olympics is going to be over in February and maybe I have an opportunity to do something here. So I took a leave of absence from teaching and went to Peterborough. We went to the Memorial Cup and then Scotty Bowman recruited me to go to Rochester where I coached for three years, won the Calder Cup. And then the University of Toronto, where I graduated from grad school, recruited me to come back. We won a national title. Uh, that particular year when I came back to the University of Toronto and then the Philadelphia Flyers, Bobby Clark and the Snyder family uh, offered me a contract and the rest is history. I went to the NHL that at the, that point, it was 1984. So when we talk about the, yeah, the rest is history, no question about it. And, and when you look back uh, and, and your degree is in, in from, uh, Toronto University of Toronto was that in psychology? No, that was in education. It had a you know there was psychology courses in it, but it was a, a all inclusive uh, degree in education that uh, you know prepared you to teach as well as 
that my my background at St. Lawrence is bachelor's science, and then uh, in yeah. phys ed, and then I went on to get, get the educational degree from University of Toronto. How how much uh, did that degree help you? I guess in I, I guess the communication aspect when it came to coaching. You know, you get into coaching now, and you know certainly a different era than today. How much did that kind of impact you or help you? Well, it, it did help me in, in the fact that uh, you had to have a, a good skill set on your feet, be able to address students. And, uh, you know, you'd be, you'd be surprised. Like I, I coached high school, but I coached the first team I ever coached and I played it was box lacrosse. And we won the championship in, in uh, Metro Toronto. And I just loved it. I was, you know, young kid. I was 24 years old or 25, and I was making them exercise and running with them five miles a day and all that stuff. So that that influenced, but it, the, the educational background uh, and even throughout my uh, my uh, college days and, and then that, thereafter, I was teaching in hockey schools at St. Lawrence and then hockey schools at University of Toronto. And, and uh, I even, you'll be surprised. One of my coaching uh, debuts was a female swimming team. And we did really well with that. So I was a basketball coach, the, the hockey coach, the swim coach and lacrosse. So, yeah, we won. The- you didn't have any males on that team at the time. <laughs> no. <did you? laughs> okay, good. Good. But it was, uh, yeah, I had a, a, a variety of backgrounds in terms of coaching skills and and the educational aspect of it certainly helped uh, in your ability to communicate and address groups of people and, and of course, hockey teams. So uh, that did help for sure. Did you ever think then, like, you're going to go have the, you know what I mean? Like, were you coaching the swim team and all these teams and then, but like in the back of your head, like, I'm going to coach a Stanley cup champion team. One no, year. Not, like, not, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I didn't really, I, I had a lot of success in junior hockey in Oshawa as well. We won two, uh, two titles for Metro Toronto, which is a big league at the time. And then <clears throat> when I went to Peterborough, when I made that decision to go be a general manager and coach for the Peterborough Peets and take the leave of absence from school, that was the, probably the beginning of what I thought, well, maybe I'd like to pursue a, a coaching career and, and let's see what happens. So it lucked out. We go to the Memorial Cup and then Bowman comes and we win the cup in, in Rochester and win the cup in, in the University of Toronto. That all happened within five years. And then I was introduced to the, or got an opportunity to go to the NHL. So that's really the genesis of it and how it how it worked out for me. I didn't. I didn't go to, uh, uh, when I was teaching high school, I didn't th- think about coaching the NHL. I mean, a lot of the coaches at the time, had, they were all former players. So it wasn't that, wasn't that uh, optimistic that I could uh, end up uh, being a coach in the NHL. Funny, um, you know, listen, we can cut to the chase, I guess, and just I and Mike, um, you know, I often ask people around the league I knew, I said, what's he like? What's he like? And I've asked guys who played for you over the years, and certainly you, you come as advertised. Mike Keenan's a prick. Yep. Mike's a prick, <laughs> <Yep>. okay? <laughs> now, 
I've met you twice. I met you at the ball tournament one time yes. at Street Hockey Charity. Yeah. And then one time in Chicago, we had a yeah. talk. And um, I find you to be a nice guy. I didn't play for you, but uh, I certainly would have loved to kind of find out on my own because I, we look at a guy like Brian Noonan, who played yes. for you, who seemed to follow you everywhere. You seem to have something going on with Noonan as far as you liking him as a player, or maybe he could be one of them guys that you could kick in the ass and he just keep going where other guys may crumble. Is there any truth to that? I think the, uh, uh, the essence of it was that, uh, yeah, it's very stern and, and some people thought I was a prick, uh, but I was a good prick. Uh, and, and, and they thrived on success. You know, you would know, you guys would know as a, as a players, you know, winning is very important and it, it, it solves a lot of problems. Uh, but you know, I had some great players too, that, that enjoyed playing for me and particularly the superstars like Gretzk or Mess or Chelly Pronger. I can go on and on the hall of famers. They kind of liked it, that I would emphasize and, and demand a lot out of lesser players because they knew that the team would get stronger. And Noons is a good example. Uh, I had a good relationship with Toe, Kraftcheck. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Zezel, God bless his soul. Yeah. I mean, I had so yeah. many of them, I, I continue to bring them with me. And, uh, you know, even Chelly, uh, as hard as I was, he says, you were my favorite coach. You know, and you, you right. played in Montreal with Chelly. So he... He was a, yeah. a determined. He he was such a competitor. He just loved that we were winning. So, yeah. uh, you know, the 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 guys that uh, <laughs> the guys that found it more difficult were the bor more borderline players than than yeah. the better players. So um, you were consistent too, because I I grew up. I was probably like ten years old when you became Iron Mike, and then like twenty five years later, me and you had a fuck you match on the bench. So I knew you were, you were yeah. pretty consistent, right? <laughs> no, but I. It's funny because I, uh, you know, what, what you said with Chelly saying you were the best coach, and like for me, we I wasn't long with you, but I I just felt that um, even my my you know my parents were saying it's like the hardest you know I I played, and I did feel that I was always you, you didn't know what to expect. And, and you got, you kind of, at least me, you always had me, you know, ready. So I, I kind of understood it, but you were a prick, but a good prick. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a, you know, Mato Mato told a young guy, I don't know who it was now. He came to Chicago. I traded for a lot of guys. And so he said to Mato or the fellow said to Mato, uh, well, what about this Keenan guy? He says, well, I'll give you two things. Don't have a bad warm up and don't have a bad first shift. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we demanded a lot and and uh you know uh, predictably uh, predictably unpredictable keeping them on edge and and uh and and ready uh right from the drop of the puck until it was over like you got to stay and it's you know we're human beings and we can drift and lose concentration and and uh it's uh you know, uh, McCrimmon, God bless his soul too. Uh, he he yeah. was great in the locker room with Mark Howe and and uh, 
the guys would say, oh, God, he's tough. And Brad said, he is, but shut the F up because we're winning. <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. So, yeah. you know, that, that was well, uh, uh, important that I had fundamentally, you don't win uh, all the time like that without getting the support of the, 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 the main groups or the core groups or the leaders on the team. And, and I understood how that worked. And uh, the best example, I guess, and, or the most public example would be Mark Messier in New York. But, uh, you know, yeah. I was hired twice because superstars went to the owners and said, I want this guy. And once was in Vancouver, Mess went to John McCaw, the owner, and said, I want this guy. And uh, I went in negotiations with John. He said, this is the worst negotiations I've ever been in. How long do you want and how much do you want? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the other one was Pavel Burry with Alan Cohn in Florida. And he just went to the owner and said, I want my coach here. It's Mike Keenan. So, Well, that's, that's awesome. It does say a lot about you um, when you have guys like that wanting you there and they carry the kind of sway that they did. Um, like, how would you describe your coaching style and what is it that people get wrong about you? Well, the coaching style was firm but fair, and it evolved. I mean, you're talking about guys, and, and uh, you know, the latter portion of my career, I was sort of ousted out of the NHL. He's uh, too tough or whatever the case might, might be. And I, the last example was in Calgary. But I left Calgary, and we had gone to the Game 7 twice. And when I left Calgary, they didn't make the playoffs for six years. So I was ousted of the league. I went to Russia. And the point I'm getting at is that my style evolved. I coached various levels of sports and hockey uh, for five decades, so you, and won in every decade. So you don't, you don't continue to win unless you make adaptations to your own demeanor, style, uh, whatever the case might be, your skill set. Going to Russia, I had to learn to speak <laughs> Russian to, to coach. And, uh, and that was an unbelievable experience. And, very, you know, my first year we win the cup. The, no North American had ever won a cup before. Uh, so a variety of different roles for the coach. And... Uh, I took Mike Polino with me, who coached with me in New York and played for me in junior hockey and U of T. But when I got there, I said, you know, the biggest responsibility we have is to understand, not to be understood. And I felt embarrassed about some of my time in the NHL when I had foreign players who couldn't speak English, and I never threw them a lifeline. I never taught them how to go to yeah. the bank or how to go find an apartment or whatever. And I said, we, I really missed the boat there, but most of us probably did. But uh, the misunderstanding would be that, uh, and you'd find this hard to believe, uh, uh, I'm pretty uh, uh, tied into my family and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, away from the, away from the, 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 the time that we spend during a game is completely different than the time that we spend in preparing or you have with your family or 
whatever the case might be. So as a youngster, I was a very sensitive kid. And uh, it it uh, served me well because I could read people and and had that. Where does that come from? Where does that me? sensitivity come from? Um, just the way I was raised. My parents. I was the oldest child of four fa- Irish family, and uh, uh, I was just taught well by my by my in particular by. I could say both my parents, but my mother was a big influence and because she was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a factory worker. He was electrician in General Motors. So uh, that's really... And then um, I was, you know, in, in, in grade school and in high school, uh, I was sensitive to people's needs and, and thoughts and you know, I was a good athlete. I won the athlete of the year in the high school in ninth grade, which is unheard of. So uh, uh, I had learned leadership roles because of that early uh, in in high school. That I was playing junior hockey when I was fifteen, but I also played in the high school sports, ran track and field, and played on the basketball team, and played on the school hockey team, and all kinds of different backgrounds in, in athletics. So I, I think that's a long-winded answer, but maybe no, I maybe hear you. to the point. I hear you for sure. Now, coaching in Russia, you said, obviously, you got to maybe let those, you know, you got to hear those players. And, you know, you made a great point about players who come over here. And I never went. I went to Russia to play in alumni hockey, old-timer stuff. And I found it a bit of a yeah. culture shock, right? And I never thought yes. of players coming over here. I remember we had Matt Snazzle come over from Sweden, and Matt seen and you know know the language right away a little bit. And I never really much yeah. thought of that. I did. I talked to guys. They roomed me with Vladimir Rizitsky. He couldn't speak a lick of English when I was in Boston. So I can only imagine what that yeah. was like going the other way. I never thought about that, like you pointing out. And Tim, having gone over there and played, obviously for you, you know, we had talked about it. And I said, that must have been kind of like a good dynamic because here's Mike over there in Russia with all these Russians coaching him. And then you got a North American kid come over. Uh, he must have embraced you. Did he, Tim? Did he embrace well, you? Well, the, the. Yeah, yeah. He was very. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, you, no, you no, were. but like, oh, here's a North American <laughs> no, we kid. Had, we had like, a couple other. You know. I just, I just thought it was like amazing to see. I mean, like when you got the job in Russia, you went to Russia where you just like this, like half the guys didn't understand what you're saying. Right. Like, right. I mean, you'd be yelling at a guy like in his face, a Russian guy, like you, you know, you fucking pussy, whatever you want to call it. And then, the, then he's looking at me like, Tim, what do you say? And I'm like, you know, you're playing well. Keep it going. Yeah. But like, so were you just like, I could be iron Mike again. And just like, what was, you know what I mean? Like that, that, I, tough, I think but. I was, uh, quite a bit different in, in terms of, uh, I knew that, but, um, uh, Ilya Vorovia was my assistant coach and Russian player who, uh, uh, played for Dave King and then worked with Paul Maurice and then worked with me. And, and he was interpreting in the room quite often, but then he stopped and I turned to him and said, why aren't you interpreting anymore? He says, you know enough that they understand you and they know what you want. So 
Um, yeah, the, there was five or six guys, North American guys or guys from Czech Republic or Finland or whatever. They could speak English, but 95% of them couldn't. <laughs> no. So no. you had learned some phrases that would, uh, that means let's go or bistro, bistro, quickly, quickly, uh, or things like that to, to initiate their thinking. But they were... They were really uh, respectful and responsive. They liked the firmness to a certain extent, and that maybe goes back to their culture. So um, anyway, we had a pretty successful run there. Yeah, yeah, you did. You had uh, no, and going back to Nux, your question. Yeah, you were very uh, welcoming, but you were Iron Mike like right away too. I think you had me on like five different lines before I <laughs> yeah. took my first shift. So it's uh, like don't know, have a know, bad warm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that answer your question, Nux. He was welcoming, but he was Iron Mike. Too, well, so it, it, it must great. have been quite an experience. But I got to think of an experience that uh, we uh, were both part of, Mike and I. And that would be back in 1987, the brawl to end all brawls. And um, God, when I think back, you bastard, um, dressing all those, <laughs> all of those guys for warm ups, and that changed hockey too. Right that night, uh, we were certainly outgunned in our own building as far as uh, numbers. But when you look back at that, and I look at that, and I say, Jesus, you know, I, I remember I was with Brownie. What a sweetheart of a guy. Dave Brown, and for, yeah, for those of you who don't know, yeah. the brawl that ended all brawls, the Flyers, Canadians, before the game, and I fought Brownie, and he had yeah. no jersey on. I said, geez, I wish I thought of that. He said, I, I didn't yeah. think of that. He said, I just didn't have my jersey on. I didn't put it on. I take it off between fairies. I just ran <laughs> out there. And, mm-hmm. I, you yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I knew they did that in a game in Philly. I wasn't even aware of that. That's how, like – singularly focused I was when it came to my job. I wasn't even paying attention to any of that. And I'm in the room. I have my skates undone. I never took my skates off. I never took my jersey off between periods. I took, I just loosened my skates. And all of a sudden, the usher comes running and says, oh, there's a fight and going on and that, you gotta come. So, and yeah. I come out there and, and you know, there's Big Ed Hospital and Samuelson and Chico and Pepe's doing the yeah. turtle. And, and then here yeah. comes Brownie and I know I'm going to end up with him. It's going to be me, not, not John Cordick, not this guy, not that it's going <laughs> to be me. And that's what it was. But I got to tell you, it, it, just a crazy, crazy. When you look back at that, what are your thoughts and your feelings? When you look at you were part of that, what, what goes through your mind? Well, it, it, it certainly changed hockey. Hockey Night in Canada came on and the brawl was still on. They were supposed yeah. to start the game. But, and, and the one thing I did do, which was uh, instinctive, was I locked Hexy uh, yeah. in the room. Because I said, if we lose him, and he yeah. loved to fight, he's yelling at me, swearing yeah. at me. Uh, let me out there. I want to help my teammates. I says, not a chance. You break your hand, yeah. we're done. So, uh, and then... I was out by the boards and Mr. Snyder come down and said, get out there and break that up. I said, Mr. Snyder, I got patent leather shoes on. There's no way I'm going out that ice. I said, if you want to go out, go ahead, but there's no way I'm going out in that ice. 
I said it's escalated to a point that, and then you know I don't even remember Dougie Crossman flip flops on yeah flip flops I remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that was, it was uh, crazy. I, incredible. I, I, and it's funny. I had Brownie yeah. there, right? And I'm fighting him, and I would then we go for a little bit, and then I rest, and then. I remember one time I got him, I'm holding the suspenders and I had my head inside him. And he said, yeah, have you had enough? And I went, no. And I threw another punch and away we went again. And I'm telling you, I, and I had to put thing is Brownie didn't play. Right. I had to play that game. Mike Keenan. I was (laughs) junk. I went in the first shift. My, my shoulder, my neck, my shoulders, my muscles were all strained in my neck because of, like as we were fighting for like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. It was crazy. I was junk. I can tell. I don't know if you would remember this story, and I can tell you now, and you might uh, recall. But uh, we were also uh, having a, a a physical game in Montreal, and uh, I didn't do this hardly ever. But you came over. You're yapping at the bench. <laughs> So I jumped up on the bench and I said, what do you want? And you, then you looked up at me and said, what are you going to do, buddy? He says, I know what exactly what I'm going to do, buddy. You said, what? And the guys are looking at me on my team and what's this crazy guy going to do? You're going to try to fight knuckles. I said, I'm going to trade for you because I love guys like you. And you start laughing. So it diffused the whole situation, but it was, uh, it was a uh, oh, funny I, moment. I remember, in, and in, I in hate, and, and, and me, I hated coaches who yelled at players. I hated it. I despised that. If there's one thing I despise. I didn't do it but, hardly yeah, I, ever. I know. I remember. But, like, yeah. So that was, and so the next game we went into Montreal, we're skating around, and I'm at the bench because I used to watch the warm up. You come over and say, So, when is the trade <laughs> yeah. happening? I want to yeah. come and play I for did. you. I did. I always wanted to play for you. Yeah. Especially after I, yeah. after I left Montreal, the way I left with, you know, I had a difficult time with um, John Perron, yeah. who, you know, just, you know, he, he made an inference to me one time that I should fight more. And w- once, once he, oh boy. he did that to me, I lost respect. Thing is, he wasn't well respected by our team at the time, and yeah. Um, and Bob Gainey said it best: you don't always have to like your boss, but you have to basically respect the title. And a lot of guys didn't, and I was one of them. I won't speak for yeah. anybody else, but I was one <laughs> of them. And um, yeah, I just I stood up for you know and stayed true to myself. I always said, Coach ever tells me to go and fight. I'm fucking grabbing him right by the tie and telling him to go himself and go do it himself because I never had to be told. Yeah. One coach, one coach, Jacques Lemaire, told me, Chris, you fight too much. Slow down. Yeah. You 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 get room. Use your room. You can play hockey. The first guy ever said that guy was incredible for me. What an impact he had on my life. That guy, incredible. One of my favorites. Nice. You didn't yell at players, Mike, uh, on the other teams, but you yelled at a lot of referees. Oh yeah, did you, yeah. <laughs> did you have any uh, good? What's a, you have a good story with any referees? I seen you yelling in Russia before. Like, <clears throat> do you even understand what he's saying? But I, you um, know, you got- yeah, Kerry Fraser. When I left <laughs> Philadelphia, he bought my house, so I was, you know, and I used to use 
kind of uh, too many men on the ice to or pull a goalie. And that I, sometimes it was just to, to uh, take the time to address an official if he made a bad call or whatever. So anyway, I'm berating Carrie Fraser and <laughs> he comes over and, uh, you know, I'm going at it with him. And, and then he says, you know, you know that house you sold me? The roof leaks. <laughs> so I started laughing. He started oh. laughing. So that was a, that was a, a funny moment. And, how about uh, how about today's uh, game, Mike? When you look at today's game, you're out of coaching, and you look at today's hockey, um, do you miss, like, the physical part of the game, the fighting part of the game? Do you think today's game is missing something, needs a little more? I mean, no red line. Wide open, crazy. Um, you know, I hear Bobby Orr, and I bring this up a lot. The red line. Bobby Orr says, I wouldn't mind seeing the red line back in. One, do the, does the league really care for the health of the players? If they did, they put the red line in. And two, he said, I'd love to see teams have to pass their way out of trouble and come up the ice together. I don't know. What What are your thoughts? I agree. I agree with him 100%. And I've also gone on record as saying that. When you have the red line you've you've got to be a thinker and you know i can post up now at the far blue line tip it in beyond the hunt the defenseman can shoot it down to the other far blue line tip the you know they say well, that's really fast going in and that's not fast yeah. that's just the you know and they're, they're using the rules to their advantage and it's certainly part of the game now but i um uh, I get frustrated by watching. I watched a lot of the playoffs, but I don't watch too much in the regular season. I get too frustrated with uh, some of the the uh, tactics or systems that are being used, or the players' demeanor. Um, and then there's there are some dangerous situations. I mean, a guy like Sidney Crosby's had some real severe concussions because of that open ice. Guys are going 100 miles an hour, and if you look back oh. for a second and you get dinged, it's yeah. lights out. So there's a safety factor involved as well. And uh, I know it's a physical game, and and uh, I would like to see a little bit more respect. Don't be driving a guy into the board's head first uh, from we behind. We saw it the other night, right, in the uh, final game, that. right? Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of – crazy things in our day and you just, you know, expound upon it with the brawl we had in Montreal as an example, but you know, there was sort of an element, there wasn't a sort of, there was an element of respect uh, amongst most of the players. And uh, I'm not so sure that exists. And, and I've asked a lot of people about it uh, and some people are reckless. And, and then the others, uh, they say, well, Let's ease up on the hitting because it's a long, long schedule or a long night ahead of us or yeah. whatever. So, uh, mixed feelings. And again, I said, like I, I was able to adapt to different generations. You know, coaching in 1984 in the NHL, and then coaching even in Russia and China, but in 2009, still in the same league, you have to make the adaptations to the. But, you know, even my last, like, Jerome McGinley was a hard, hard player. You know, one of, you know, he was a fighter and a competitive player and, and led by example. So we still had 
uh, guys around that were that were no. old school, if you like. So it was, uh, you know, um, even uh, uh, some existing players are still in the league that I coached. They're a little bit older now, but uh, uh, they still there's some players still have that little bit of the old old school mentality and expect the same from their teammates. How do you think today you if you were to coach today, you think you'd have to probably kind of kind of change a little bit, right? I mean, today I feel like you can't yell at anybody. Yeah, and um I think that um there's a lot of entitlement. Uh, a lot of these players make a hell of a lot of money. Um and good for them. Uh but with that comes responsibility and accountability. And for the mo- most important reason is for your teammates. You, you, I, I mean, my, my career relies on the contributions that are made by my teammates and uh, how successful we can become. Or So, uh, yeah, you'd have to uh, have a different attitude. Even, uh, even the New York Rangers situation was different in the fact like Greg Gilbert yeah. it was another guy Gilly. that went from – team to team with me. He said, Mike, you were a lot quieter in New York. I said, Gibby, we had a hell of a great, uh, leadership uh, core <laughs> leadership group. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. have to say much, yeah. you know, um, even, even Mark, uh, and, and, uh, uh, we're great friends with yeah. Brian Leach, but I heard Mark scold Leach oh, one time. So, and they drove the, the games together. So it was, you know, accountability was was not an issue in that team. I can't tell you there was one guy who didn't respect the role that they were given and did their job. That's why you, you win know, the championship. You know, it's funny, and I I respect that. I respect the – I can take crap from a coach, believe me, and, and then I can't. I mean, there's certain situations depending on the person. If I respect him, and he, he certainly yeah. – um, I'm going with it. And LaMaya was one of those guys for me. Mike Milbury was one of those guys for me. I love Milbury. You know, people talk about his GM yep. coaching thing. They say, what do you think as a coach? I love them in Boston as a coach. Um, go through a wall for yep. them. Now, um, when you look at today, and we talk about today's game, there's a couple throwback coaches. We look at Sutter and John Tortorella. Yes. If they're coaches that are close to what you were, those are the guys. And that's all I ever hear. Oh, my God, uh, th- this guy won't play for him, that guy. Look what Sutter did this year with Calgary. John- Johnny Hockey. Yeah. Everybody said, Johnny Hockey's not going to be able to do anything with him. Oh, my God. Look what they did. I mean, yeah, they had a hell of a season. Yeah, they didn't win the whole thing, but that's a hell of a season they had in a turnaround. Well, uh, I know Daryl well. He was my assistant coach. And then he in Chicago. Then he hired me I as love that the GM guy. in Calgary. And uh, if there's anybody that's kind of aligned with my style, he, he might even be more <laughs> yeah. of a prick than me. That, <laughs> that is Daryl. And and uh, Torts, uh, when I was in New York, by the way, Melbury is a great guy too. I work with him yeah. on NBC, and uh, we had Smart a lot of great, great conversations. Yeah, and and. Uh, with Torts, we did a, a coach's show. I was on the broadcast now for the New York Rangers, and he was coaching them. And his philosophy is like it's aligned completely with mine. 
So um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond now in Philly. Uh, and I went to see, it's funny, we had the induction of Holmgren and Tockett into the Hall of Fame in Philly, and they invited me to come because yeah. Homer was my assistant coach. And, of course, Talk played for, for me for four years, and uh, they were playing Calgary on TV. Night. So I went down to see I went down to see Daryl and I said, you know, we, we had a great conversation, but I looked at the flyers. I said, Oh my God, this is no. not the Philadelphia flyers. So uh, they had strayed away from their identity and their culture. And John now is taking on the responsibility of trying to bring. So that do you back. think, well, certainly the way today's players are and all that, like, you know, one thing I do, if I was coaching, I take that fucking tablet and I always tell Tim and I throw it right through the f- fucking balcony. The, the 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 tablet's gone. Yeah. Don't look at this thing. Catch your breath. Yeah. Get ready for your next shift. Watch the game. Shut up. <laughs> but it, it's it's yeah. crazy. We saw Cry to do it in the playoffs to his his buddy. Which oh, yeah, was I was awesome. Gonna I love that. that. Yeah. And I mean, and then I also yeah. saw Cry to talk about him afterwards. Buchnevich. I'm not um what what's his name? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not Buchnevich. Yeah. But yeah. and he was in tears, like he had that much respect for him. That that moved me. Now, when you look at you know those players today, and 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 it, it and you talked about the entitlement, which would when you look around the league, if you certainly watch, but which players would you love to coach today, if you could? Well, the, first of all, just to 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 comment on that, that's exactly right. Hockey's not a rote game. It's instinctive. It's your ability to read quickly. It's not like a football coach. You're going to run a certain pattern or certain play, and and that's it. And then you have another break and come up with another attack or defense or whatever. Um, Connor McDavid, I met. Uh, I was coaching in a celebrity hockey game in Barrie, Ontario, and I had Gilmore and Corson and uh, Mike Gardner and a bunch of guys uh, from the NHL. And they broke up two teams. And so this kid is on my team and like, he's a boy. And, and he goes out for the first shift and I t- turned to Dougie. He says, Gilmore, I said, who the hell's that? <laughs> he said, he's the best player in the country. <laughs> I said, he's only 18 or 17 at the time. I said, oh, my God. So, And he was a really respectful guy. He, he thanked me, Mr. Keenan. Thank you for participating in this charity function after the game. It was so nice to meet you. And so, And I, I, I like um, Austin Matthews, the way he's playing. Of course, look at the kids in Col- Colorado. Uh, Stamkos was a stand-up yeah, guy, an old-school leader. Um, uh, you know, there's great players still that you'd enjoy coaching and, and, uh, being involved with because, uh, the best players are the easiest to coach. Trust me. They, they're the, they, they're so hungry to, for success and to do well that, uh, it doesn't take much to get them ready or prepared. And, you know, the other part of my coaching style was that I played the best players the most. Yeah. And that's all they want. They want you to open the door and say, get out there. So, And when you do that, too, you get them in your corner, right? And that's a big, 
that's a big part of core. You got to have that core group in your right. Well, you could probably say that's why you got the uh, cup in Russia, right? You do that line of Moziak and Jeripov and and Kovar, Kovash, like Kovash, that, that yes. Was, that was the best line in my my personal experience that I've ever seen or been on a team with. I mean, that Moziak and is the, maybe the best player I've played with. Like the way he would just take over, you know, especially in the playoffs. Like you know, I, I don't know. What did you feel about them? Like yeah, I mean, they, they were, were pretty... they were they were exceptional players that. Uh, uh chris they, they we put them together as a line and uh, the two wingers were in their off wings which is important in the european style ice surface and the sediment was a hard-nosed competitive guy but the the, the zary is very 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 skillful uh and competitive and so was mozakin but very skillful and uh they dominated the, the league and dominated the games and uh, one of the major reasons we had a great goaltender in, in uh, Koshichkin, but uh, we had superstars carry the team. And again, uh, they got all the ice time they could take. So it was, uh, it's pretty uh, easy when they play to that level every night and then you open the door for them. They, they, they respond. Now, Lemire took a lot of heat for bringing the trap in. Apparently he got tagged with the trap thing yeah. and Jersey and the whole thing. And listen, I played that system. I loved it. I loved it. Um, yeah. You had to be in a position. You had to work in continuity with your players on the ice in order to feed off of those, create and feed off of turn, turnovers and, and get into that transition game. Now I, um, I hear people all again, especially the league, and it, it, without the red line, I think obviously one of the reasons they took it out because of the trap, but teams still trap. We see it all the time. Just not in the offensive zone so much. It's more in the neutral zone. Um, do you think the league is so scared to throw a red line in because of that, that, that the trap is going to come back full board? Uh, I don't I don't know what they're thinking, but uh... – Again, I would support Bobby Orr's thinking yeah. for sure. Um, interesting, though, uh, I never coached or very little trap work, uh, and it was based on the people I had yeah. to coach. And 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 Lemaire almost beat us. Jacques was coaching Jersey when we won in Game 7. Uh, but I had players that didn't want anything yeah. to do with that. Like uh, uh, Jeremy Roenick, a kid, Larmer, Goulet, uh, as an example, or uh, in New York uh, or in, in Philly, we had a a quick team, a hard-nosed team, and and uh, New York, no way that Mark wanted yeah. to play like that. And then when I got Gretzk in in St. Louis, no way he's oh, yeah. playing that. He, it's, well, you look that. at it, certainly so, there's, there's teams with less talent. When you're going up against that powerhouse wide-open team, it's a really good way to defend and a good way to kind of yes. at least stay in the game with a lot of teams, right? That's exactly right. And that that, like, there's different ways of playing. I can go back to the Rochester championship team we had for the Calder cup. 
and uh, Bowman did it after, but Bowman hired me. So I had studied and hung out in 1981. Uh, there were six coaches, and I was very fortunate. I was a very young guy, and I was coaching in Rochester, and the Hockey Canada asked me to be a participant, the six of us, to write a book. And my study was Czechoslovakia. It's now Czech yeah. Republic, Slovakia. So they played uh, left-wing lock. So I actually was at every practice. I rode on the bus. I stayed with the team. I stayed in the hotel. And I studied them. And then when I went to Rochester, uh, we had a lot of people were brought up and injuries. And, and uh, uh, Jimmy Weimer, for example, who played for me and Peter. Anyway, we ran out of defensemen. <laughs> So I said, and I knew Jimmy played junior uh, for me at left wing, but he also played defense as a youngster before he came to, to Peterborough. And then we had Val James, tough Val James. I said, you guys are now defensemen because we don't have enough defensemen. We didn't actually have five guys. So then I said, we're going to play left wing lock because you guys have so little experience playing defense. And then we had... Uh, guys that were on the left side that fit right into that mold. Uh, and uh, it worked out well for us. But again, that was a different style. We won the championship by yeah. playing that way and and uh, having basically two attackers. And, and it was almost a rule that the left winger couldn't go over the offensive blue line unless we had possession of the puck. So it, it was adaptation, just as you said, uh, the trap was brought in by uh, uh, Jock Lemaire, fundamentally uh, because when he played what he would believe to be better teams, he had a he had a, a, an ability to shut them down, or his team did as well as they could. So uh, whether the league is fearful of that they shouldn't be, because you still have to yeah. be a thinker to play the game well, and. Uh, you know, if if you can get to that point that ever, I don't know if the public would understand it or if that's what they're afraid of or sales will go down or the fan base will draw. I don't know. But uh, uh, there's a lot of super skilled players out there that could make the adaptation as well. How about how about goalies? Now, you had a little bit of a reputation <laughs> of switching goaltenders. We heard about, you know, the, the, the Eddie Belfort issue there, you and him in Chicago. Was that overblown or what? And what was it – how difficult was it for you at times when you had to pull a goalie? Or was it, fuck, I'm just doing the best thing for the team. This guy got to get out of here now. What, what was your philosophy when it well, came to that, <clears throat> goaltenders? First of all, I can tell you I coached seven Vezina Trophy winners or Stanley Cup winners in goal. <clears throat> They're all different. And um, the genesis of it, first of all, Pelly Lindbergh yeah. was my goalie in Philly. God bless Pelly yeah. killed. Um, he played against my Rochester team, and he was a superstar. Uh, we beat him four straight, but if it hadn't been for them, we would have blown him out. Uh, if it hadn't been for uh, Lindbergh. So anyway, <clears throat> I was going to Philly. I met with all the players in the summer. I took, I took him to lunch in about, you know, middle of July, uh, early August. And I said, Pelly, 
and he was struggling there. He was up and down the minors, the majors. He was, he was inconsistent. Uh, I said, Pelly, no matter what happens, no matter what anyone says, uh, you're my number one goalie. And he says, how can that be? I said, well, I saw how well you can play. And when I was coaching Rochester, you, uh, you, you, you're an unbelievable goaltender. So he won the Vesna trophy. And, um, what I did, and at the time, when I was coming in the league, there was sort of a uh, an attitude of the coaches that uh, they can't play all that all that much or they can't play as many games. So I said, why would I have a better guy sitting on the bench when I can play him? And you have to manage his rest and work. And that's what I did. So the incidents with, with uh, Eddie, so Eddie was coming up and, and – the, the crazy thing is that Dominic Hasek <clears throat> was yeah. the backup. Not quite yet. Dominic hadn't been there. But anyway, in that instance, so before the season started, I said, Eddie, would you like to play 80% of the games or 50%? He said, of course I want to play 80. I said, well, there's going to be some nights where the team's not spot on and I have to shake them up. Uh, there might be a night that you're not spot on or there might be a night where I want to terrorize an f- official. And I need time. Um, so there's going to be different reasons. So he came over. He was all exasperated that I pulled him. I walked down. I grabbed him by the cuff of the sweater and say, Eddie, do you remember our deal? 80%? He said, yeah. I said, okay, be quiet. <laughs> he did. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had, uh, like Grant Fuhr, I think I played Grant almost all but five games. <sighs> And uh, nobody wanted him. So the story goes on this, and, and I'm sitting with Bob Barry. Yeah, Bob coached Bob me, coached my, one of my first coaches, Claude Ruel, and then him. Yep. Yeah. So Bobby and I are sitting in New York City. We had to go to the league office for something. So we're out in an outdoor cafe in the middle of the summer, and this car goes by and slams the brakes on, squealing in the streets, out chumps Wayne Gretzky. Wayne says, how long are you guys sitting there? I said, how long do you want us to sit here? He said, I'll be back in an hour. I said, sounds good. We'll have a couple more beers. So he comes back. Janet jumps out with him. And they come over and we're out in the outdoor cafe. And uh, I said to Wayne, I said, Wayne, I need a goalie. You got any ideas? And Janet jumped right up and says, well, Grant Fuhr. I said, Grant it is. So I went and got him, <laughs> signed him, and he played there for a number of years. Uh, and nobody wanted him. And, and the same as the crazy things that happened, we were in expansion, and I had to separate uh, Eddie and Dominic. So I picked Eddie, and I traded Dominic to yeah. Buffalo, John Muckler. John, he was a very unorthodox. And, and, and so what happened was John put him on waivers. He didn't want him. So I claimed him and the league wouldn't let me take him because I was the one that yeah. traded oh, okay. him. Crazy yeah. rule. So uh, then he goes and wins a heart trophy. So <laughs> uh, all different personalities, all different quirks. Hextall. Crazy. Hexy. Crazy. Kippersoff <laughs> in, in uh, the, it was called the rubber man because he was yeah. so flexible. Um, Mike Richter, of course, win a championship. Uh, um so what do you I think some, today when they look at the way, you know, God, I don't know, 
yeah, certainly a heavy schedule and you know, it's like they oh maybe we'll get the starting goalie fifty games. You think it's it's almost like I wonder sometimes when you know, we hear the game is faster today and it is. I get all that. But I know one thing. When I played in the league, it was fast. I was on the ice. It was freaking fast. Yep. Now, I know it's faster. I get it. A little more wide open. But when when you look at that era, I, I often think some. I, I don't know what kids would do today. When, you know, they during the pandemic, they showed all them old time again. You know, the old games, like the slashing. Yep. The elbowing, the yeah. everything. Like I don't know. I, I I think some of these guys today would freaking shrink and wilt if you had to go out there and play in a game well, like that. I I didn't watch the the '94 championship game, game seven, uh, for about oh twenty years wow. after. And I looked at it and I said, "That right? was vicious. <laughs> that was vicious." I mean. Anderson got his nose broken and, uh, the, you know, mess took no prisoners, no survivors, none of them. I mean, it was, uh, and then I watch it now, uh, you know, like even, uh, like I said, Stamp was old school. He smoked, um, a couple of those players with, you know, without any uh, reservations yeah. at all. I mean, good, yeah. good checks but hard running right through them, not at them. So um, it's a, it's an interesting yeah. game today. It, it's got some things that people say it's a lot fast. I mean, there's still like, look at Ovechkin, how powerful he is. I mean, uh, Crosby yeah. still can motor. So it's, it's full of superstars. And You've been generous with your time, obviously. I mean, so much appreciate having you on. I've yeah. enjoyed it, Tim. Tim. <laughs> Here, my story. boy. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's an yeah. honor to have you on, and I, it was an honor for me to play for you too, Mike. Honestly, thank you. Appreciate and um, can, I, can I ask yeah. a question? This is our producer yeah. Barry. Oh, if, Barry, if Mike, if Barry was on your team, you he'd would be, be in net every night. This guy. <laughs> he'd be in net every night. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I, hey, thanks a lot for coming on. Really, it's no it's problem. Been great. So it's fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I have two questions I always ask, and then yeah. they know it's coming. But the one, the I'll ask the first one's an easier one though. I mean, for a person like you as a coach, if you could pick your for your five guys, you could pick from anybody from the old days. We'll start from the old days because I don't want to say from the guys currently playing. Who would you pick as your first line? That's a tough question for me. I I think I coached more hall of famers than any other coach and uh you know including the guy that's what two thousand points ahead of the rest of the guys <laughs> his name's gretzky <laughs> so and then uh you know i got one of the strongest leaders i mean this is you're talking about forwards now not even defense i had the hall of fame defense norris trophy Heart Trophy winners. So you got to um, pick two D in a line. And then, pick two D in a line. Yeah, oh. you, get two, you get two goalies too. The way you pull goalies, you get no, two no. goalies. No, I, I don't want to exclude so many. They won't great take players, it personally. So. I I know, but uh, I right. it's difficult for me to to nail that down for you. I mean, I had Mario Lemieux in the Canada Cup '87. Like how how uh, he played there and. 
you know, on defense, I had for fun, just for fun, Bark, Coffee, Murphy, I mean, yeah, Chelly, wow. Pronger, Mark Howe, I mean, all Hall of Brian Famers. Leach, I go Leach on and on. on. Ronick oh. Goulet, Larmer uh, in the, you know, Larmer's is in the Hall of Fame. All right, so be. here's the deal. But uh, All right, how about all this right. one? Okay. Who was your mentor? Who was the coach you most looked up to that they had the most or most influence? Well, I had three guys that really uh, influenced my uh, shaped my career to a certain extent. First of all, Tom Watt, who was the coach at the University of Toronto, uh, a great communicator. Won he'd be just a hero in the United States. He won nine na national championships as a coach, and. Uh, <clears throat> He, I studied under him the systems of the game and a lot of the technical part of the game. Uh, then I had Bowman who hired me. He would, and, and you guys would mm -hmm. enjoy hearing this, after every game, he would come down, he'd drive down from Buffalo. He'd get in his car before the game ended and start driving home. I'd do the little press conference and then I had to answer like him. He would call me at three in the morning or four in the and say, why you have Mongrain out there for the face-off? <laughs> so he was uh, very detailed in terms of bench management, and I was as well. So was, that's probably my best strength, is reading the players during the game on the bench and prep preparing them with great practices. And then uh, another guy that I worked with and coached for me uh, that was an innovator in terms of Again, additional information was Roger Nielsen. Roger. I played for Roger in New York. I loved him. So, uh, you know, those are three guys that I came in contact at an early age that influenced uh, or helped me shape my own coaching style and skills. All right. I was going to ask, if you could go back looking, what's the biggest mistake you made as a coach you wish maybe now if you, ha you could do it, you had to do over, you'd go back and change it. What would it be? That's very, that's easy for me to answer because it's always uh, bothered me. We lost in game one in Pittsburgh for the Stanley Cup when I was coaching Chicago. And we re it was really unfair. Annie Van Helleman called some bogus calls uh, that helped Yager and Mario Lemieux. And after the game, I give the team shit. And that was the worst thing I should have ever done because they played as – they got – Andy w was not balanced yeah. that game. I would put it that way. And it, so the, we lost not because of how – that we, we had lead. It wasn't because how we played is what had happened on the ice yeah. by the official. And I did that, and I regretted it for the rest of my career. Like, these kids, have, we're in the finals. And we've been in the final four, three or four years. We won the President's Trophy, and we had great leadership, great players. And uh, uh, Brett uh, Celli, I Steve Smith, I craft. What, what made you do that? Did, did you feel like... I, like, did you feel personally like they they let let you down, or what? No, they didn't let me down. But I, I 
it was the wrong response on my behalf. I should have reinforced and say, guys, super game. Let's get a little bit better and we can beat this team. But they like they had me enough. They it, it's sort of like water off yeah. a duck's back. But um but I always said to myself, I wish I, I hadn't you. done that. All right, Barry, you have yeah. one more and that's it. I lost right. one, I promise. Okay. It's your hockey. Hockey eulogy. What's the first line in your hockey eulogy? He cared. There you go. There you go. There you go. Mike Keenan. Um, awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome to have you today. 